Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. Hope you have your Bibles. I feel like I understand what Paul said today when he was standing in front of a group of people and he said, you know, I could talk to you with some enticing words. I could use some things to try to convince you of God's power and His ability, but instead, I want a demonstration of the Spirit. That's what Paul said. He said, the most convincing thing that can happen today is that God's Spirit would move. And so, I don't want you to leave today because I really want a demonstration of the power of God today before we leave. Because that's really the only thing that changes us. Amen? It's the only thing that makes things right. It's the only thing that helps. And I want that today for you. I want to ask you an honest question today and I want you to answer it as completely as you know how to. If you're in the building today and you need, listen close, a healing. Now... For some of you, that may very well mean, and I very well mean, a physical healing. It may be something in your body. I know specifically some of you and your story, and some of you need a physical healing today. But some of you are here today and need an emotional healing, or mental healing, or healing for your spirit, a wounded spirit maybe today. You may be facing the most tragic physical ailment you've ever faced, or the most tragic mental and emotional battle you have ever faced. If you need God to heal you today, would you raise your hands all over the building? Keep that hand raised. Now listen, I'm going to take about 30 minutes and I'm going to do my best to convince you that there is no one like Jesus of Nazareth to heal. That nobody can do what Jesus can do for you. And then I'm going to stop preaching Our pastors and our prayer partners are going to join me at the front and we're going to pray the prayer of faith. And I believe dozens of us are going to leave today healed by the power of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? You believe that's possible? Say amen to that. If you don't believe it's possible, I got a lot of talking to do in a short time. Get your Bibles. I don't even have media today. That's how much I'm going to preach, how fast I'm going to preach. The book of Acts, the 10th chapter. If you don't have a Bible, scoot over real close and read with somebody. Acts 10. Acts 10 and verse 38 is where we'll start today. Next couple of moments, we're going to dive into the subject of healing. Healing for your hurts and for your wounds and for our bodies and for our minds, for our emotions. You're in a church today that believes that our God can heal Anything, Say amen to that. If you don't believe that, I want to convince you of that. That when Jesus Christ was brutally, horrifically beaten at Calvary, it was so that he could purchase your healing. That the atonement of Jesus Christ covers healing for our bodies and our minds and our hearts. Not just salvation, but our healing. 
When Jesus would pray, he would say this, I want your kingdom to come, Father, just like it is in heaven. Let it be that way on earth. And in heaven there is no sickness, there is no hurt, and there is no pain. And so when the kingdom comes to earth, there's no sick people. And healing is available in his kingdom. And I want that to happen today. Now you say, that's a tall order. Here's the thing. I don't have to perform a magic trick because healing isn't magic. I don't have anything up my sleeve and I'm not going to do anything weird unless y'all get weird and then I'll throw something. I just believe it's God's will to heal people. And I believe you don't have to walk around inside the kingdom sick in your body, in your mind, or in your heart. And I want you to leave whole today and healed. Acts 10 and verse 38, if you're there, say amen. Amen. I'm reading the New King James Version. It says this, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Peter's preaching here, with the Holy Spirit and with, everybody say power, who went about doing good. This is Jesus and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Peter is preaching and he said, Jesus did two things. He did good and he healed everybody who was oppressed by the devil. And I'm preaching for just a couple of moments on Christ the healer. Christ the healer. Put your Bibles down. I want you to close your eyes and raise both of your hands high to heaven. And I want you to pray aloud something full of faith that God, I I believe today that you can do anything. God... I believe today you're going to heal people. People are going to leave delivered from what it is that they're troubled with. Their bodies are going to be healed. Their minds are going to be healed. Their hearts are going to be healed. Emotions are going to be healed. Scars. God, I believe you from cancer to diabetes to a troubled heart to a broken spirit, I believe you can heal today. I trust you today. God, I create an atmosphere of faith today for you to move in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You can be seated and God bless you is our prayer. Peter Peter is preaching here. And this first verse of his message is really the keystone of Peter's sermon. Like most preachers, our opening usually tells the whole story. Peter is preaching to a group of people that had never heard about Jesus at all. In this particular passage, Peter's challenge to sum up who Jesus is in just one sermon that's tough to do when you believe Jesus is the Son of God, but he's trying to convince people who have never heard about him who he really is. Peter could have said a ton about Jesus. He could have talked about all of his miracles. He could have talked about turning water into wine and calming the storm and multiplying food four times. I'm sorry, for 4,000 people and then 5,000 people, two different stories. He could have talked about Jesus walking on the water, he could have talked about Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But when Peter opens his message, the thing he's trying to convince these people not know much about Jesus, the thing that he's trying to convince them most about is that Jesus is not just a miracle worker, that Jesus is not just a good teacher, that Jesus is not just a prophet sent from God, but that Jesus was and is a healer. Say amen. Healing was the defining characteristic of the ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. If I was taking notes, I'd write that down. Jesus, defining characteristic, his ministry was defined and bookend 
most adaptly by the gift of healing. You could describe him better as a healer than any other descriptive word. You could talk about his healing more than you could anything else in his ministry to fully understand who Jesus was. All of the other miracles were wonderful, but Peter chose to highlight healing when he's trying to convince people who Jesus is because healing was the defining characteristic of Jesus' ministry. When the children of Israel had come out of Egypt in the Old Testament, all the plagues had happened. You know this story causing Pharaoh to release them. There were frogs and lice and darkness, all three of which would make me want to get out of Egypt, I have to be honest. And finally, Pharaoh lets them go and they're crossing the Red Sea and Pharaoh's army drowns in the Red Sea. And it was after this that God commanded the people of Israel and said, if you follow me, And if you obey my commandments, then I won't permit any of these diseases to come on you that came on the Egyptians. Exodus, the 15th chapter, flip there very quickly. Verse 26 said, and he said this, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what's right in his sight and give ear to his commands and keep all of his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. Listen to the last sentence that God tells the people of Israel. For I am the Lord who heals you. For I am the Lord who heals you. It's so interesting that God would speak to the people of Israel this way. They would know their God as a warrior, as awesome and powerful. But God wanted to make it clear that what he had done in Egypt wasn't for them. You see, healing was his defining characteristic even in days of old. If you listen to the radio much, I listen to talk radio, don't throw anything at me. I don't listen to the radio much, but usually when I flip over, I get in my wife's car and it's blaring really loud and I can drown out Dora the Explorer playing in my baby's iPad in the back seat. You can always find a certain band because they have a certain sound. You kind of know who it is because they, they come to be known primarily by that particular defining characteristic. And so it was with the ministry of Jesus. You could tell it was him primarily because he was the one who was healing. Listen, healing was not just what Jesus did. It's who Jesus was. Healing is not just what Jesus can do for you. Healer is who Jesus is in this house. That's why in his first sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus would say this, Why are you worried about what you're going to eat or wear or drink? Why would he ask that kind of question? Because Jesus knew me and he knew you. And he knew that our chief concern was my well-being. Am I okay? He knew if I could answer the question about am I okay, are my needs met? Because when everything's not okay with you in your body or your mind and when you're in pain, everything else pales by comparison. How many of you have ever got a splinter in your hand? Raise your hand. Or glass in your foot. Now, I'm kind of a baby, but I'll be honest with you. A splinter in my hand is tantamount to a death sentence in my house. Until we correct this problem, everything hurts. I don't know if the splinter travels to my head and all the way to my feet or not. I feel like it's poisoned by the enemy to do so. Because when this hurts, everything hurts. How many of you have ever had a toothache? Now when when your tooth hurts, everything hurts. You don't have teeth in your legs, but they hurt. Everything hurts. 
It's amazing when you're in pain, not just in your body, but in your mind and in your heart, how everything hurts. It's amazing how you look at everything through hurt. It's amazing how everything is judged through your pain. And so Jesus answered the question when he first preached to those people on that mountain. Why is it that you're worried about your well-being? Because my defining characteristic is a healer. Absolutely nothing in my experience with God sets him apart like healing. Write that down. Nothing in my experience with God sets him apart like healing. Most world religions believe that their deity, the person that they worship, is able to take them from this life to the next. However, They choose to teach so. Most people believe that their deity, however old or whether or not he was alive on this earth or not, or however they perceive God to be, most of them believe in some sort of afterlife and their deity has to do with their afterlife. But I'm preaching to you today about a God who is not just concerned about your life after this one, but he is most concerned about your life in this one. That he wants you to live now in the kingdom whole and healed and he can do just that. Say amen. Amen. So I want to give you a couple of stories. I'm running out of time already. I just want to lift your faith just a little bit and give you a couple of stories from the Bible that talk about the healing of the Lord. And then I'm going to step back and I'm going to let God do what only he can do. I'm going to release the gift of healing in the house and I'm going to let the Lord do what he does. Second Kings, if you have your Bibles in verse Uh, chapter 5, and we'll start at verse 1. This is the story that you've probably heard most of your life. If you've been around church, it's about Naaman. The northern kingdom of Israel is in a constant state of war with Syria. I want you to sort of understand kind of what we're seeing here in context. Syria is constantly fighting with Israel. It's a divided kingdom right now. The kingdom of Judah is in the south. The kingdom of Israel is in the north. And Israel is constantly being berated by Syria. Syria is always invading Israel. They are mortal enemies. And so that's the backdrop of the story that we're going to see here in 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria. Notice who he is. He's a high-ranking Syrian. He was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. I don't quite understand all that, but I just know he did. And he also was a mighty man of valor. Now if you have your Bibles, I want you to mark this particular sentence. But he was a leper. So many of us in the house today define ourselves so many different ways, but at the end of the day, we define ourselves by our problem what I'm facing, what I'm going through. I'm a good dad, but I'm sick. I'm a good wife, but I can't get over this. I I try to pull it together. I'm a good employee. I do my best, but I can't get past this sickness. This disease defines me. This thing I'm going through is what most people know me by. And so Naaman is not just a mighty man of valor, not just the captain of the army, the king of Syria, but Naaman is a leper. And so the Syrians had gone out on raids and brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she was Naaman's mistress, uh, his wife's mistress. And then she said to her mistress, this is Naaman's wife, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, 
for he would heal him of his leprosy. This little girl who they had taken captive tells Naaman's wife, if Naaman can just get to the prophet in Israel, God can heal him of leprosy. And so Naaman went in and told his master, the king of Syria, he said, this is what the girl said, who's from the land of Israel. And so the king of Syria said, listen, I don't really like you being around being a leper anyway. So go, I'll send a letter ahead of you. I want you to get better. And so he departed and took 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel. I'm still reading 2 Kings chapter 5. And that letter said, Be advised when this letter comes to you that I've sent name and my servant to you that you may heal him. And when it happened, the king opened the letter and tore his clothes and said, Am I God that I can make alive or, or that I can kill? Why did you send the man to me? I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just the king. I don't know how to do this. And the king actually thought this was some sort of provocation of war. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, the prophet in Israel, heard, when he heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he said to the king, why have you torn your clothes? Tell Naaman to come to me and he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. Catch that language. Elisha said, send him to me and he'll know there's a prophet in Israel. He'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. That's the motive that Elisha thinks is the healing of Naaman. He'll know there's a prophet here. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariots and he stood at Elisha's door and Elisha didn't even answer the door. I love that. You can't trust a preacher even get out of bed and answer the door. He was probably eating chicken. You know how we do. So he tells his servants, tells his messenger, go tell Naaman, I said wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored and you'll be clean. Naaman was furious and went away and said, I came here, I came here to stand at your door and have you call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand over the place. You see, a lot of people think healing's magic. I just thought you'd wave your hand over it and heal the leprosy and... And, and, and so there, there's some other rivers in, in Samaria, in Damascus, that are so much cleaner than the Jordan River. Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so the Bible says Naaman went away in rage. Now the Jordan River is a muddy, nasty, disgusting river. I don't know if you've ever tried to swim in lake water you couldn't see the bottom of, but I watched too much Discovery Channel to do that. My wife likes watching. This is Shark Week, by the way. I thought I'd tell you that. My wife likes watching river monsters. I personally think those are attacks of Satan. River monsters. This was a filthy river. Naaman said there's a lot cleaner rivers. Listen, it's mountain water. It runs off down the mountains. It's spring fed. Why don't I just go wash in those? And finally Naaman's servant said, Listen, we've got to cross the Jordan River to get home anyway. Why don't you just do it? If he, if he told you something hard to do, you would have done that. So just go dip in the Jordan River. We've got to go that way to go home anyway. So Naaman does it. He dips seven times. Nothing on the first time. Nothing on the second time. Nothing on the fifth time. Nothing on the sixth time. And the seventh time Naaman got out of the Jordan River, his leprosy is gone. Now listen. So 2 Kings 5 picks up the rest of the story. And when he returned to the man of God, Naaman, he and all his aides, and he came and stood before him, he said, 
Indeed, now I know there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. Elisha just wanted him to know there was a prophet, but God wanted him to know that there was no other God on this planet besides the God of Israel. There is no other God that can do for you what our God can do for you. There is no other God who can heal sickness like our God can. There is no other God who's able to do what Jesus our God can do. Somebody shout amen. Shout amen. So many people had come to know the people of Israel. When King Nebuchadnezzar had got Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of that fiery furnace, he said this. He said, there's no God that could have done this. That's different than there's no God at all but this. You see, when people see your lives changed out of sin, some of them can say, man, that's amazing how God did that. But when people see you healed and whole, they say there's no God anywhere that can do that. It's one thing for you to be pulled out of your trial. It's a whole other thing for you to be healed of your sickness. Nothing testifies to your lost family. Nothing testifies to your lost co-workers. Nothing testifies to those around you that God's put in your path. Like someone who's in stage four cancer who goes back to the job and says, I don't know how to explain this, but our God is a healer. There is no God. God but our God. There's no God but Jehovah. Naaman said, he's the only God. He's not just the better God. He's not just the good God. He's not just a God. Naaman said, there is no God but the God of Israel. That's what healing can do in your life. That's why healing defines the God of the Bible. Because nothing can turn the hearts of people like a healed person. Nothing can turn the hearts of your family like somebody who's healed emotionally. I know there are doctors in the house today. I'm looking at you in the eyes. I'm not, I'm not disputing what God has called you to do and the gift he has given you. But I tell you of a truth. Nothing testifies more than God healing a hurting, broken, messed up, diseased, sick person. Say amen to that. And so not only in the Old Testament, I have ten minutes to preach five stories. Mark is the action book of the New Testament. Mark is this fast-paced book. It's the shortest gospel. It's the least details, but it gives the most punch. Mark is written primarily to Romans, people who don't believe that Jesus was the son of the living God. And so Mark had to convince people that Jesus was who he said he was and guess how he chose to do so through talking about healing the gift of healing works more in the book of Mark than in any other of the gospels Mark writes about healing more than any other gospel writer why? because he's writing to unconvinced people he's writing to Romans who haven't put their faith in Jesus and he knows the best way I can convince somebody that he's really who he says he is is because he can heal anybody he wants to. Get your Bibles. We're going to turn quick. Go to the book of Mark, the first chapter. We're going to look through just a couple of stories. Maybe you'll find yourself in those stories. Mark 1 and verse 40 is where we'll start. Now a leper came to him, Jesus, 
and implored him and knelt down in front of him and said, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I'm willing and be clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was clean. This is such a powerful story. In the opening of the book of Mark, this is such a remarkable story because this leper not only had a disease, he had a disease that separated him. You see, lepers in, the, in this particular time, they were only around, uh, allowed to be around other lepers. If your 10-year-old or 12-year-old or 5-year-old little baby contracted leprosy, they had to leave their family and live with a leper colony. They had to separate and live with just lepers. It was a living death sentence. And Jesus heals him. And I love how this man approaches Jesus. He said, if you will, you can. You see, the question was not, can you? It was just, will you? And today, if you need Jesus to heal any part of your mind, soul, body, or spirit, I tell you, the question is not, can he? It's simply, will he today? And so he said, if you will, you can. I've heard enough about you. I know that you can do this. If you want to, you can make me clean. And so Jesus reaches out and touches him and he heals him completely. Listen close to me. Today, if what it is that you're battling in your body, in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, the hurt that you have, the pain that you have, the disease that you have, whatever it is, if you feel separated from life, I want you to know Jesus can heal separated people. Jesus can heal people that feel separated from the rest of the world. Pain and hurt have a way of doing that. They have a way of making you feel isolated. Like I'm the only one going through this. I'm an outsider looking in. Nobody knows the pain I wake up in every morning. Nobody knows the pain I have all day. And you tend to separate yourself from the rest of society. And Jesus stepped into the life and the world of a man separated by his sickness. And he heals them all. Next chapter, turn the page, mark the second chapter. Again, Jesus entered to Capernaum after some days and it was heard he was in the house and there was a large crowd that gathered. Nobody could get to him. He preached the word to them. And then verse 3 said, They came to him and brought a paralytic who was carried by four men. And they couldn't get close to him because the crowd was so big. And so they tore open the roof and they laid him down on the bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, I love this son. Your sins are forgiven. Now here's a man who's not a leper, but here's somebody who's been left behind. Left behind because of his illness. Nobody, no, nobody could hang out with him unless they brought him with him. He, he would miss all the stuff. He would miss all of life. He would not be able to participate unless somebody came by and picked him up. He couldn't walk on his own. Some of you feel so separated and isolated by what it is that you're facing that you feel like the, the world and life has passed you by and left you behind. He was unable to participate in life. And so Jesus sees the faith of these five men, the four friends and the young man on the bed, and he says, your sins are forgiven. And then the story continues that some scribes and Pharisees were so upset they called him a blasphemer. How can you say that God, how can you say that you forgive sins? Only God can do that. And then he said, What's harder for me, forgiving sin or healing the sick? I love how Jesus would turn that to the Pharisees and scribes. And then verse 12 said, verse 11 said, Jesus looked at him and said, I say to you, arise and take up your bed and go to your house. 
And verse 12 says immediately he arose and was healed. Not just leprosy, not just people left behind. Mark the third chapter, keep turning. Somebody comes to Jesus with a withered hand. Somebody comes to Jesus with their hand that has not fully deformed. Some of you are here today facing an illness in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit. Not because you did something wrong, but because it's just not right. It's just deformed. It's not your fault. You didn't do anything to cause it. It's just not whole. It's just not together. And today you feel limited by what you can do. You feel limited by what you can participate in. I don't know if I can really be a productive member of society. I don't know if I could ever really have a good marriage, if I could ever be a good parent because I feel so limited by what's wrong with me. My hand is withered. And the Bible said, Jesus looked at him in Mark the third chapter and said, stretch forth your hand. I love that because Jesus never told him which hand to stretch out. And some of us come to church and only show our good hand. Some of us only come to church and show everybody what's okay with us while hiding what's not okay with us. And Jesus didn't tell him which hand. He just said, stretch forth your hand. And today, in just a couple of moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to stretch forth what's wrong with you. And Jesus healed his hand. He not only heals leprosy, He not only heals limited people, not only left behind people. And so Mark, the fifth chapter, keep turning. He goes to the other side of the lake. He enters a a particular country called the Gadarenes. And there's a man there who's demon-possessed. He tears his clothes. He hurts himself. He cuts himself. You know the story. These demons cry out, Why have you come to punish us? Jesus cast the demons out of him. They go into a herd of swine of about 2,000 pigs. Those pigs drown themselves. And the Bible said that Jesus told this man, don't follow me. Go home and tell everybody in the Decapolis what happened to you. Why? Because healing is who he is. Because he wanted these people to know, I cannot just heal leprosy. I feel my help coming on. I don't only want to just heal limited people. I don't just want to heal people left behind. I want to heal people who are battling something in their mind that nobody can see. Some of us feel like that mental illness or our emotional problems or what we're facing makes us less than. I want you to write this down and don't ever forget this. Sickness is not sin. Sickness is not sin. Just because your brain is sick, just because your mind is sick, just because your heart is sick, doesn't mean Jesus can't heal it. If he can heal cancer and diabetes, he can heal an emotional wound. He can heal somebody with a problem in their mind. He can heal an emotional scar and wound. He doesn't just restore withered hands. He restores broken minds. And he heals somebody who everybody else said was crazy. Who everybody else had given up on. I know he can raise dead people, but he can't heal my mind. Something's broken in my mind. Tell that 
to the man they called Legion who lived in the tombs and then he was healed. Mark 5 and 25 continues, I'm hurrying. There was a woman with an issue of blood for 12 long years and she comes to Jesus and she touches the hem of his garment and he turns around and says, who touched my clothes? How do you know you were touched? He said, because I felt virtue. Healing flowed out of me. I'm telling you that today that same virtue can flow from Jesus and heal whatever it is that you're battling. He not only heals leprosy, he doesn't just heal limited people. He doesn't just heal people left behind. He doesn't just heal lunatics. Jesus heals people with long-standing problems. And then he crosses over. And Jairus, the leader of a synagogue, comes. My baby's sick. My little baby's sick. Come heal my daughter. Come touch my baby. Nothing hurts like your children hurting. Some of you are here today. And you may not be hurting, but your children are. You may not be facing the toughest battle of your life, but your kids are. Nothing hurts like my kids hurting. And Jesus goes to her house. He sends everybody out. He touches the little girl and he raises her up and he says, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately she was dead and immediately she arose. She was 12 years old and the Bible said Jesus told them, Go back and don't tell anybody. Why would he do that? Why would Jesus say don't tell anybody? This is why. Because Jesus didn't want for the rest of that little girl's life for everybody to point at her and say that's the one that was dead. He just wanted her to live a normal life. And listen, when Jesus is finished healing you, you don't have to be known by what you used to be known by. You don't have to be known by your ailment anymore. You don't have to be known as the little girl who was dead. You can go on to live a normal life after you come in contact with the healer. Shout amen. So he heals a leper. So he heals somebody left behind. So he heals somebody with a long-standing problem. So he heals somebody who's a lunatic. So he heals somebody with a limitation. So he heals somebody who has a lethal prognosis. And then Mark 6. Jesus went from out there and came to his own country, Nazareth. His disciples followed him and when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were astonished and said, where did this man get this and all this wisdom which given to him? Surely mighty works are performed by his hand. Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon and his sisters are here with us and so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, prophet, is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now this is the passage that always gets preached. All of my life, this is what I hear. Now he could do no mighty works there. And the truth of the matter is, he could not do anything miraculous, large, and big. He didn't raise any people from the dead. He didn't do anything miraculously large because of lack of faith. But listen... The rest of that verse says this. 
Now he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Jesus can heal everybody. If you're here today and you feel like a leper separated by your illness, separated by what's going wrong in your life, in your mind, in your heart, in your body, I want you to know He's a healer. If you're here today and you feel left behind by your sickness like the world's passing you by, I would be able to do that if I hadn't hurt this leg. I would be able to participate if it wasn't for this heart problem. I would be able to move on with my life if it wasn't for this diagnosis. The world's left me behind. I want you to know Jesus is a healer. If you're here today and you've battled something for as long as you can remember, 12 years that little old woman went to every doctor she knew, every doctor she could afford, she spent every dime she had. If you're here today with a long-standing problem, I want you to know Jesus is a healer. If you're here today and your sickness, your ailment is not necessarily in your body. My heart's fine. My, my, my arms are okay. My legs are okay. But my brain's broke. I don't know what's wrong with me. People have called me crazy all of my life. I can't get it together. Maybe you're here today battling some sort of mental illness, an emotional problem. A physical problem is so obvious to everybody, but an emotional problem is not that obvious. Maybe your heart's broken. Maybe your spirit's broken. Maybe your mind's broken. Sin has nothing to do with sickness, and sickness has nothing to do with sin. Whoever told us that mental illness was a sin lied to us. It's not a sin to be sick, but you can be healed. you're here today and you feel like your sickness is limiting the life that God wants you to have if you're here today and you've got a death sentence you say this can't happen this is too hard for God nothing is too hard for our God he reached into that bed and picked up that little girl and said live again and have a normal life you mean I can get past this and nobody knows me as Name and the leper. You mean I can live past this illness? I can live past this disease. Yeah. If you're here today and it's not leprosy and it's not being left behind or a long standing problem or a lunatic or limiting or lethal, I want you to know Jesus even heals little things. He could just heal a few sick people. But he did just that. Healing is not just what Jesus does. Healer is who Jesus is. That's why he told the people of Israel, when you get out of Egypt and you get where I'm taking you, the one thing I want you to know about me, the thing that matters most about our relationship is I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord 
who heals you. If you're here today battling any sort of sickness, I want you to know you're in a church that believes. And in just a moment, I will give you the opportunity to receive that Jesus Christ of Nazareth is first and foremost a healer. That he can heal any manner of disease and that it's not God's will for you to be sick all of your life. It's not God's will for you to walk around hurting and in pain in your body, in your mind, in your heart. It's not God's will for your kids to be walking around in pain. Our God is a healer. Shout amen. The defining characteristic of the ministry of Jesus Christ is that he heals broken people. That he heals sick people. That he heals broken hearts and broken spirits and broken minds and broken bodies. Nothing testifies to your family like leaving church on a Sunday morning at Christian Life and saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. You say, is it really that easy? I don't know. I just know he can I don't know if you want to call that easy or not. I don't know if Calvary was easy. I just think Calvary purchased your healing. I don't think it was that easy, but I do think it's that available to you and I today. And I want you to experience that. So I want everybody in the house to stand and our pastors and our prayer partners are meeting me at the front. Every prayer partner. Every available prayer partner here, meet me at the front and our pastors are going to lead today. Our pastors have oil in their hands. They're going to anoint the sick with oil according to James the fifth chapter. Now listen close. Listen to me. Don't leave today. Don't leave too early. I tried to preach fast. There's nothing magical about what's about to happen. But there is something remarkably supernatural about what's about to happen. The people in front of me, before you come to the front, hang on just a second. Ushers, why don't you meet me at the front? Why don't you help me? I'm going to need your help in a moment anyway. What's about to happen is these people in front of you are going to pray the prayer of faith. Our worship team's joining me on the stage. They're going to sing. We're going to create an atmosphere of faith together. You're going to feel faith rise. It's going to be a remarkable experience. I'm telling you. I don't know how else to tell you this except I believe Jesus has ordained this service to heal those that are sick among us. I just believe today is the day you can leave better than you came and healed from what it is that ails you. I just believe God can heal you today. Listen to me. Look. Listen to me. I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but listen to the Holy Spirit today. Some of you here can't conceive, and today's the day for you to be healed. Some of you are here with heart trouble, and today's the day for you to be healed. Some of you are here with problems in your mind. You've faced it for a long time. Nobody knows about it. Today's the day for you to walk away delivered and healed. Am I telling you to throw away your medicine tomorrow? No, I'm not telling you any of that. I am telling you this, though. Nobody can heal like Jesus can heal. Nobody can deliver like Jesus can deliver. Now I'm going to ask us all to create an atmosphere of faith. If you need a healing of any type, I want you to know we'll take all the time. We have 30 minutes before the next service. I'm not going to rush it. I'm not going to walk you through it. But if you need healing of any kind, I want you to step into an aisle. If you're in the balcony, make your way to the floor and step into an aisle. Everybody that needs healing. Everybody in the house that needs healing. Step into an aisle. Hang on just a second. Hang on, guys. I'm going to give you some instructions. Step into an aisle if you need the Lord to heal you of anything, any disease, any problem, anything you're facing. 
Now there were more people that raised their hand that are stepping in the aisle. So I'll give you a couple of moments if you need the Lord to heal you. Now here's what happens. The people in front of us are going to lay their hands on you according to the scripture. They're going to pray the prayer of faith. If you're standing in the pew, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to put both of your hands high in the air and we're going to create an atmosphere of faith. Everybody do that right now all over the house. Everybody raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. Now I want you to open your mouth wide and I want you to begin to declare the healing of the Lord. I'm going to pray the prayer of faith over you and I'm going to release the gift of healing to operate and then people are going to walk out of here healed. The Holy Spirit's going to move in our midst. Lord Jesus, in the name of the Lord Jesus, according to your word, I bind up every sickness and disease that would afflict and affect your people. In Jesus' name, I take authority over illness and disease in the house. And in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I loose and release the gift of healing to operate. I release the gift of healing to my mother. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.